Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor. We want to thank each and every listener that is tuning in today. We're always so glad to have you and just glad that you decided to hang out with us today. We will be getting to this week's letter in just a few moments, but first, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the show called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our biggest challenges or frustrations that week, and finishing off with a blessing or positive, hopeful experience that we had. So Jessica, what was this week's thorn and this week's rose? So my thorn this week is that it was my turn to get sick. (laughs) My husband was sick the week before, and then it was my turn. Um, Different sickness though, which is interesting. I just feel like there's a lot Hmm. going around these days, Um, at least in my area of the country. People keep saying that, that they're getting sick. So um, I had some kind of sinus thing and uh, a bit of a fever, but thankfully I did not lose my appetite. I feel feel like that's one of the biggest mercies when it comes to getting sick is as long as I can still have food, I'm quite grateful. Yes. Um, <laughs> instead of like anything you think of just sounds disgusting that, that's the worst when you can't that is the worst food. kind of sickness yes so <laughs> I'm still able to eat all right um the, but my rose was that this last week a piece of writing that I had been anticipating being published online came out um on a website hmm. and as a podcast episode too that I I got to read so the piece that I wrote is called Invest in Beautiful, and it was done oh. for the Eventide Center for Faith and Investment. So it's kind of like a journal, blog, article sort of a thing. And it was just really fun to see that come out. I received some great encouragement about it, and it just feels like I'm finally putting my research out there in a practical, applicable way. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. I had a surprisingly unthorny week, which... I guess it's like a second rose for me this week. Right. Um, yeah, I'm hoping this isn't the calm before the storm, but the next couple of months will be pretty busy for us. So I'm sure I will have plenty of thorns to report in the coming weeks. But for now, I am counting my blessings and not having any thorns to speak of this week is quite the blessing. But Amen. my ro- Yes. <laughs> but my rose this week was less of a moment and more of a practice or a daily rhythm. So it was staying true to myself that uh, the promise that I made to myself, I mean, to work out every morning. So I'm not, thank you. I'm really not naturally a workout person. I've always really struggled to find something that I like and something that feels like it's actually working. And I tend to get pretty bored easily. Like, well, I've done this stretch so many times. I don't want to do it ever again, (laughs) but I recently made a promise to myself to drag myself out of bed in the morning and just do it. Just get my exercising out of the way right at the top of the day. And I hate to report this, 
but it's actually amazing to do this. I I do feel like it's changing my body and, and having a positive effect. And I'm almost annoyed that it's true that something as <laughs> simple as 20 minutes of Pilates in the morning or some kind of stretching um, makes all of the difference. But that has been my rose is sticking to my promise and actually feeling it pay off. Good job. I'm so excited for you. I look Thank forward you. to the day when I don't feel so like kind of fuzzy sick anymore because I like look forward to moving my body and getting out yeah. there. So I'm glad that you stuck to it. Good job. Thank you. It took a lot. <laughs> I'm still convincing myself every single morning to do it, but I'm doing it so far. Um, all right. So a couple of just uh, things before we move on to our letter for this week. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It really, really, really helps boost the podcast, get it in front of other people who might enjoy it and get something from it and connect to one of the letters and make sure to share with a friend. And lastly, we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to Dear Wallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would love the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing today. Okay, so let's move on to our letter for today, which covers a subject of deeply desiring friendship, a kindred spirit kind of friendship, but struggling to find that kind of connection. Dear Wallflower, I am a woman in my late 20s, and if I'm honest, I have never had a real friend. I've had casual friendships throughout the years, mostly with people I met at school or through work. But when it comes to having a deep kindred spirit friend with whom I can share my innermost thoughts and struggles, I can't say I've ever felt that close to someone in my life. This is painful and embarrassing to admit because I feel like it reflects poorly on who I am. Everyone seems to have this kind of friend but me. I sometimes really wonder if I'm cut out for this kind of friendship. I struggle to feel safe opening up to people, never feel like we have enough in common to think of them as my best friend, and always feel lonely even when I'm physically in the presence of others. I've tried asking different girls I meet at groups and functions out to coffee, And while they always agree to hang out, they never reach out to me again after that first meeting. I can't help but feel like I'm doing something wrong. All this to say, I really need a good, deep, close friend. I've gone too long surviving on only surface friendships, and I'm looking for advice on how to find a kindred spirit friend. Sincerely, friendless but hopeful. All right, Jessica, so what are your thoughts for our writer today? Well, first, I love this letter. I really do. I love it so much. Um, mm-hmm. Friendless friendless but hopeful, I believe, has taken the guts to say what many of us be, might be feeling deep down, or at least have felt at some point in our lives, if we were to admit it. Mm. Also, even for those of us who have had someone that we consider a true friend or a kindred spirit, we don't always have them for life. Sometimes one of us changes significantly or we just drift apart. Thus, I think many listeners can relate to this letter. I know I do. Hmm. Our writer hits on something excruciatingly painful and critical. The reality of our need as relational creatures to have deep and meaningful connections. I want to start out by addressing friendless but hopeful's perceptions of herself. She admits that she feels like everyone else has these kinds of close friendships and thus that she feels left out that it reflects poorly on her and that she's, quote, not cut out for such relationships. 
Yeah. I want to say clearly, I believe everyone is made for such relationships. We are wired for it and we need it. What may make one person more or less suitable or desirable as a friend will differ if that's what she means by not being cut out for them. Um, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt here and assume that she's not narcissistic, that she's not (laughs) controlling, that she's not bossy or manipulating. I'm going to assume that she's tender, sweet, um, that she's the type to desire to connect with a kindred spirit that she's expressing here Mm. in her letter. So based on these things, I think that she is well cut out for close friendships. The struggle will be finding those with whom she can connect well. Yes, it's absolutely. It's important to admit that there is a level of chemistry involved in friendships. We don't use the term kindred spirit for nothing, right? We'll often use this phrase about people, even those that we've barely met, because we sense implicitly that there's that special something about them that resonates Mm. deeply with that same something in you, which C.S. Lewis puts it beautifully in his chapter on friendship in The Four Loves, is that a kindred spirit is someone who, quote, sees the same truth. Mm. Just love, love that phrase. I love that because it, it's so true. It's so true. That is how we know that someone could potentially be our kindred spirit as we we look at each other and we go, oh, you think that too. That's what I've been saying all this time. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. exactly. So part of the reality is that kindred spirits are often few and far between, especially mm-hmm. depending on your personality and your context. However, they do tend to gravitate toward one another. So again, as Lewis says, because they see the same truth, they tend to find one another in common spaces that delight, interest, or refresh them both. So Mm -hmm. in in summing up this first point, I want to caution our writer against assuming that she's the problem. While any of us may have some qualities that we could um, at best not resonate with others or at worst be off-putting, it would benefit us to consider what might you know, what those things might be and address them if we need to. But I'm going to assume that there isn't something majorly wrong with our writer and that she is simply experiencing difficulty in finding those kindred spirits and connecting deeply when she does find them. Mm -hmm. So as far as finding kindred spirit friends, a few things come to mind for me. First is the importance of sharing core values. Sometimes friendships remain casual just because there isn't a foundation to build a rich friendship upon. Um, I think as as different as some people might be, to be able to have a close, deep friendship, there really mm-hmm. has to be that core value. Again, like just re- rephrasing or restating what we said about C.S. Lewis is this idea we see the same truth, that, that whatever yeah. is at, at the core matters most to you, that you share that in common. That's um, but true. Mo- yeah. And moving on from that, though. Oh, did you want to? Oh yeah, I, I was just gonna say because I, I think it's really easy to go because she she mentions I I never really feel like there's enough in common, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's really easy to go you know this person isn't uh, creative as well or they aren't interested in uh, music as well or the same kind of music exactly and I think we can get caught up in these little kind of ultimately meaningless things of if they don't like the exact same kind of book or something right. versus we share a a value a, a, a deeper value we see a same truth not just that we we like a, a certain 
whatever, Mm -hmm. a certain Mm -hmm. movie (laughs) in common. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I love that you said that because I think that segues really well to my next point that emphasizing the importance of those core values and then realizing that my second point is consider the beauty of difference that we actually can have a lot of differences between us and another friend that are wonderful. Um, and if I can be candid here for a second, I have often sought friendship with others because I saw someone who was either one already a lot like me or two, someone that I wanted to be a lot like. And so Mm. those, those motives are, are both based mainly on similarity and while not necessarily a bad thing, like I said, we want to have certain things in common, of course. Um, I have been delightfully surprised to find how much I can connect with someone who is quite different from me. And I think Kelia, our friendship is a great example of that. Um, yeah, we definitely share a lot of really closely held values. And yet at the same time, we have so many things that are different about us. Like our, our mm-hmm. lines of work, our worlds apart, um, our educational journeys have been very different. Yeah. Uh, the place, the places in which we grew up and our stories of coming to faith and, and so much more, like even you're saying about, about, um, like books and movies, like there are definitely certain <laughs> things that we totally share and have in common, but at the same time, yeah. I feel like I'm like, give me this like 800 page book. And you're like, <laughs> I want to some, have something I can kind of get through faster or, and just yeah. genres and whatnot. It's just, and it's fun to be able to learn from each other because we're different. Exactly. And, but then we have this thing that unites us, these values that unite us. Yeah. Right right? That common foundation. So the beauty of difference, (laughs) consider that. Um, Thirdly, I would say, be the kind of friend that you hope to find. Mm. One major part of this is continuing to reach out. Um, Friendless but hopeful shares the difficulty of not having other women reach back out to her, this lack of reciprocity. It is so painful and so frustrating to feel like you're always the one reaching out. And trust me, you're not the only one feeling this way too. My husband and I get so <laughs> fatigued by this reality and this, at least this perception, whether, yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> Often it is definitely a reality, but I also think it's yeah. a st- strongly felt perception. Yeah. But you know what? The people that you're reaching out to may feel that same way as well. They Mm -hmm. may experience themselves as the ones who always reach out and that no one ever reaches out to them. I think all of us tend to hang on to the negative emotions pretty tightly and we disproportionately get affected by them. So it's likely that we'll more often remember how we feel forgotten or perceive ourselves being feeling forgotten than the times that we are actively remembered. That's so true. So I know, again, it's hard because you've continue to reach out, but I would say, start by being the person that you hope to be, or that, like, sorry, start to be the person that you hope <laughs> others would be like toward, toward you. Um, so yeah. that means keep reaching out. And, um, again, it's hard, but you really have to take that step first instead of waiting to, to, to be, um, reached out to. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth is this crucial ingredient of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So in order to find a kindred spirit, you really have to be willing to open up. Based on what our writer has shared, I have to wonder whether she has opened up enough for the other to know or to see that she desires this kind of friendship. And it's difficult to be vulnerable, um, but that is how we find our kindred spirits. It's never easy being the first one to share something deep or to go beyond the surface level, but then finding true friends isn't easy. 
No, I, I truly believe that one of the most difficult questions in the world to ask is, will you be my friend? And it's sometimes even harder than finding a romantic relationship. Hmm. I think it, cause it, I, I don't know. I think when, when you're getting into a romantic relationship there, there seems to be a little bit more like, oh, well, this is the order of things. This is kind of how it goes. You know, we go on a, maybe a few dates and we have the, what are we talk, you know, but with friends, you never have that. Like, what are we talk? <laughs> you never yeah. get to like ask, well, how, what kind of friend do you consider me? Am I your kindred spirit? Cause I think I would like to be your kindred spirit. <laughs> exactly. And I, it's yeah. almost like, and obviously there's risk involved with that with romantic re- relationships, but it's almost like we just embrace that as part of the territory, but we don't talk yeah. about that as being necessary with friendship that yeah. it, it's almost like saying, can I be on your short list? Like, <laughs> you have a best friend yet? Like, can I be, like, I think I might want to be your best friend, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think we kind of almost take it for granted that you just fall into it or something like that. People just somehow know, oh yeah, we're going to be best friends. Or maybe because so many people, or we, we imagine so many people grew up with a friend like that, that we just think, how do I mm-hmm. find that as an adult? So I think there, yeah, there really is, there needs to be, there often needs to be explicit discussion, which just kind of can feel awkward when we don't have a model for how to do that. Yeah. And I was just add here at the end of my uh, focus on vulnerability is part of becoming good friends with another is a willingness to be seen, to truly be seen Mm -hmm. warts and all, as they say. And this doesn't mean disclosing all the deepest parts of your soul on a first or second coffee meeting, but it does mean the willingness to be the first to go beyond the surface level, putting our feelers out there to see if the other will follow you to more meaningful places. Yeah. And I'll close here with a few practical suggestions for finding your, um, what Lucy Maud Montgomery would call a bosom friend. Right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So first pray about it. This has no guarantee as to how, how and when God will answer, but he does care. So pray Mm -hmm. about it. Invite him into the pain that you're experiencing and ask him to bring along a kindred spirit and to help you to be the kind of friend that would allow you to discover one another. Yes. Next, um, try joining some new groups or communities that focus on things that delight interest or refresh you. You are more likely to meet new people who share your core values. Again, it's okay to have differences, but those core values in such places. So, you know, think things like, um, Bible studies or yeah, may, maybe book, book clubs. Um, sorry, I don't have a lot of ideas coming to mind <laughs> at the very moment, but think, thinking about things that maybe aren't aren't focused as much on the surfacey things that you have in common, yeah. but find finding people that have those deeper, deeper yeah. um, values. Um, and then lastly, ask those you'd like to befriend if they'd be interested in meeting up regularly for a little while. For instance, getting a few coffee dates or walks or lunches on the calendar, maybe like on a schedule such as bi-weekly or once a month. So either schedule a few in advance or um, don't leave your current time together without scheduling the next meetup. I hate to say it, but people are just busy. That mm-hmm. that feels like a yucky word. I don't like using it very much, but um, but I truly, I, I wish 
I wish we were all better at following up, right? And being spontaneous. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that for those of us in post-college life, it takes a lot of intentionality to get together with friends, especially potential friends who are not Mm -hmm. yet on like your short list or on on one another's short lists. So don't be afraid to schedule things. Don't feel like it's somehow less authentic. It's not. It just kind of has to be that way um, if you want to find time with people. So Mm -hmm. growing friendship takes intentionality and more often than not, it it won't just organically happen without some effort. Yeah. So my last word to friendless, but hopeful, I'm so grateful that you feel hopeful. Know that we feel hopeful for you too. God (laughs) created us for relationship. And as you bring this desire before him and prayerfully move forward with connecting further with those you come into contact with, I pray that you will discover a true kindred spirit before long. Mm, He absolutely did create us for a deep connection. And I I agree. That's a really good point. Take this, take this to God. He does care. Pray for a kindred spirit. He will listen. Um, So first off, my heart truly goes out to this writer and anyone listening who's felt the same way. I can understand this pain firsthand. And while oftentimes those lacking a romantic relationship got get a lot of attention and sympathy, the plight of those lacking a deep, true friendship often get ignored. Hmm. Not having a best friend isn't shameful to admit. I can understand our writer's worry that this is a bad reflection on her. And while later on, I, I'll get into some advice on what she can try and change. I want her to hear me when I say that she does not need to be ashamed. She longs for a deep and true friend connection. And that kind of connection is not easy to find. She longs for this over a simple or surface connection, which I think speaks to the kind of friend that she would be mm. with the right person. She is cut out for this kind of connection. Her desire for it, I think, is evidence of that. So first, I want to speak into something that popped out as I read through the letter. Our writer says that it seems like everyone has this kind of friend, a Diana to their Anne, Mm. but her, right? I can assure her this is not the case. Um, A 2019 report found that nearly 40% of Americans feel kind of... Uh, the kind of deep and dark loneliness that our writer describes feeling. This means that when it comes to friendships, many people have also simply been surviving on surface level friendships. I say this only because our writer thinks that she's the only one in this predicament, which is understandable, but it turns out a lot of us are. And while that information doesn't actually like actively change her situation, I have always found it helpful when I know that I am not alone in something I'm embarrassed about or ashamed of knowing, right. Like knowing that there are others like me always helps me feel like less of an anomaly. It normalizes and right. It helps to remove a stigma. Exactly. Puts it into a more truthful light. Yes, exactly. I do think it's important Um, as we discuss why so many people don't have friends and why finding a kindred spirit is so difficult to bring up the dialogue we often have regarding female friendships specifically. This is something I've been thinking within the past few years as I've been, you know, praying for, for deeper friendships and kindred spirits to come into my life as well. 
Because in all of my years, if there is one thing I have simply learned from experience, it's that female friendships and male friendships are very different. We as a culture tend to have this dialogue around female friendships that goes something like this. Women are more relational. Women have more friends. Women are better at making deep connections. And to go in even further, countless times I have heard other women openly express suspicion of women who don't have female friends or struggle to find female friends. And it's common to say that if a woman doesn't have friends, it's a red flag and that she's secretly anti-woman because supposedly women are better at making these connections, right? But if I'm totally honest, I don't think these assumptions we have about female friendships are totally true. Hmm. I'm speaking from anecdotal experience here, but it's experiences that I've had time and time again, so much that I think it's worth bringing up here. I don't know that I believe women are superior at making deep and lasting connections, friend connections, I mean. In fact, the men that I know, my husband and his friends, all have a pool of really, really good friends, really long-lasting, life-giving friendships. And all of the women I know, including myself, they're all really lonely, struggling to feel like they have found someone who really gets them. Even the women I've known who do seem to have a lot of good friends, upon closer inspection, they are all surface level friendships that don't challenge them and don't inspire them and don't pour into them. Wow. I have to wonder, Kelia, how much this has to do with just that, that what we see on the outside and what we assume and that just the whole notion of comparison, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, I see this person that I would like to get to know her, but oh, she already has so many friends or something like that, right? We tell That's ourselves true. a story that may not be at all true. And it might yeah. scare it might scare us away from a certain friendship, or we may assume something about somebody that we don't even know. And we or we might just think that we're not going to get along with someone. Wh- whatever it is, I think that we make as I mean, I guess men probably do this too, but I think as women, mm-hmm. we tend to make a lot of assumptions about other women. And it's yeah, largely false, probably. Absolutely true. And I also don't think the assumptions that um, women are better at making friendship connections are only often untrue. I think they are actually hurting women's chances at making good friends. Mm -hmm. Because when we walk around with this belief, oh, well, I'm, you know, just by nature better at finding friends. I think this enables us to try less when it comes to actually finding those connections. And we end up approaching new friendships the way we might approach a new romantic relationship, waiting for them to do the pursuing. Interesting. And in romantic relationships, that's often the norm. Of course, you know, many women want to be the ones that are asked out and and chased, so to speak. But this kind of approach really doesn't work for friendships. The problem is, though, I think this is what a lot of us as women are used to doing. I think this is why our writer has gone on so many coffee dates with girls only to never hear from them again. Mm -hmm. I don't think our writer necessarily did anything egregious or weird. I think probably the majority of the women she's hung out with would meet up with her again if she asked them. Mm -hmm. So this is where my first real suggestion comes in. And Jessica said this already. 
I think our writer needs to accept the role as the initiator for a little while. It's no fun to be the one in a friendship who always texts first or who seems to be the only one interested in knowing what's going on. But I think our writer's current reality is that it may be necessary to be the initiator right now. And she might end up finding that one girl really responds well and starts to hit the ball back, so to speak, and they become better, deeper friends. But of course, on a side note, I don't think it's wise to keep on pursuing a friendship where it's obvious that the other person is not interested in knowing anything about you. Mm-hmm. So take on your role as the initiator for a period of time. But I do think a kindred spirit friend will begin responding to that and taking initiative themselves. Mm-hmm. But before I move on to my next point, I, I do think it's um, helpful to mention this. And this is something that I myself, as I have searched for friends and tried to find those kindred spirits, it's hard not to take it personally when someone we think could be that we could be close friends with doesn't seem to be matching our interest. As our writer said, she can't help but think she's doing something wrong. Something that really helped me when I found myself feeling this way was to think of each person's life as a movie. And what I mean by that is our writer is currently casting for the role of best friend. She already has the other tertiary roles cast, but she's looking for the right fit for the best friend. But not every girl she meets up with is also going to be casting for her best friend role. Hmm. She might have someone in that role already. She might have someone playing it. And she's mostly looking for secondary characters right now. And once I started seeing it that way as, okay, well, I have to find someone who's also casting for the same kind of role for this in order to work, it started being much easier for me to not take it personally when a friendship didn't take off in the way that I thought it might. But moving on to my next thought, when we are searching for a friend, we typically have an image of what we want in mind or what we think a friend should look like. And obviously it's not bad to have certain criteria. Like I want a friend who also is a Christian or is also creative in some sense or anything like that. But as Jessica said, I think we can easily get caught up in finding the one person who's going to check off all of these boxes that we disregard a perfectly good potential friend. Like we're looking for a real life person to be exactly what we dreamed up. And until we find that exact person, we're not going to be satisfied. So if we approach relationships this way, we're going to be looking for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Set ourselves up for disappointment. Yes. Right? Yes. So my thought for a writer here is be prepared for a friend who does not look exactly as you imagined. Be open to being friends with somebody who doesn't perfectly match this description. They might be weirder than you expected. (laughs) (laughs) Or more more serious than you thought, or a little bit more stubborn than you imagined, or maybe a little bit awkward. Your kindred spirit friend isn't going to come without oddities. Just Mm -hmm. be ready to accept a person with flaws and quirks. And I also add that they might not be the exact age that you're thinking too. Ooh, that's a, um, I, that's I, a good point. I have been delighted to become friends with people that are my parents' age. 
And it's fun. Like when you meet those people later in your life and you're like, oh, they didn't know me when I was, you know, a child. So they don't see me Mm -hmm. as a child. So the idea of like being an adult and making adult friends that are twice your age is wonderful. Or like, you know, for anybody who's listening that wants to make friends that are half their age, go for it. You know, it's like both, both directions. I think it's amazing to become friends with people in different um, age brackets than yourself. It's true. Super eye-opening and really delightful. Yes. I don't think kindred spirit friend or friend connections. I don't think age matters mm-hmm. at, at all. When it, So yes, be open to a, a kindred spirit who might be 20 years older than you. You never know. Um, another thought that I have for a writer, she says at one point that she's never felt totally able to open up to someone. And this is worth exploring. So friendships require vulnerability, kindred spirit friendships, especially if we only stay surface level with what we choose to reveal, the friendship can never deepen beyond a surface level friendship. The state of a friendship, specifically speaking of a friendship with potential, meaning one where you share basic things in common and have similar interests will reflect what we choose to invest in it. I totally empathize with our writer's struggle to be vulnerable. I am also someone that prefers to keep what others um, know about me. You know, I, I like to keep others at somewhat of a distance. It's always been really difficult for me to feel comfortable talking about myself. But this is something I learned that I hope I can help our writer. Sometimes if we want a relationship to grow in closeness and vulnerability, we have to be the ones willing to make that first step. We have to choose to move beyond a professional distance and open up about something that we're maybe nervous about, obviously within reason. It's important to be prudent about who we talk to, who we open up to, what we reveal. We don't need to talk about our deepest and darkest struggles, you know, on our first meeting. But offer them a peek inside your world, you know, allow others to get closer when you've assessed that they're safe by letting them in on one of your struggles. And you might find that in return, they do the same and share something deeper about themselves with you, or you will find that they pull away, which is within their right. But either way, you get one step closer to seeing if this person is a kindred spirit. Right. I know But our writer said that she consistently goes to groups and functions, and I encourage her to keep going to them and maybe even try finding new groups that are focused on something else that she connects with. So like Jessica said, a Bible study would be a great idea or a book club where you could join a creative writing club, or if you're still in school, maybe even a study club. Essentially, I want to encourage her to spend her time in ways that she will already love regardless of whether or not she meets her kindred spirit friend doing that thing and doing something she already enjoys might help her meet someone who has similar interests, who's running in the same direction. I knew when, (laughs) when I read through this letter, I knew we were both going to quote C.S. Lewis. So here's my (laughs) Lewis. (laughs) Good one. I was like, I wonder which one Jessica is going to choose. I hope it's not the exact same one. Um, He said something along the lines of friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, oh, you too? I thought I was the only one. Mm. And this is really true. A kindred spirit kind of friendship can only come about when we are placing ourselves in situations where we will naturally meet someone that we have something in common with, something of value in common with, and less so by going to random functions and talking to 
whomever we come across, the first person we make eye contact, you know? So as I wrap all of this up, I know this is a lot of information for a writer and hopefully some of it was helpful, but I'm going to finish up, but off by offering a very practical tip before we move on to the next segment. People love to talk about themselves. <laughs> really? They like to be made there. They like to, uh, make, they like someone to make them feel as though they are the most interesting person in the planet or on the planet. I mean, so when you're in a situation where you're chatting with someone with a, a new potential friend, ask questions and actually listen to the answers and ask follow-up questions based off of what they just answered without it turning into 20 questions, of course. <laughs> but take genuine interest in the person sitting across from you because they probably haven't had that happen very often. Mm. This will make them so much more receptive to you and hopefully they will return the favor. And maybe just from asking a few questions to start off with, a deep friendship will eventually develop. I will finish all of this off by saying thank you to our writer for sending in this question. I know this pain is very, very difficult and very, very lonely, but I believe that your kindred spirit is out there. It's just going to take some time to find her. All right. So it is time for the May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that just made us really happy to be alive. Everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out. So Jessica, what is your suggestion this week? This week, I'd like to suggest something that we probably are all familiar with, but why not bring it up again? Yet again, C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of <laughs> Narnia. So mm. I know a lot of people have probably read at least The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but um, my husband and I have been reading through the books aloud together. Um, we had done a few of them. I think we'd stopped in the beginning of The Silver Chair, and then for some reason we got off track and then just started reading it again recently. And it's just been so delightful. And even... Um, yesterday I was finishing up that, that book and I just got so emotional. I was like crying through the end of it. And yeah. I just, it's so beautiful because I know, you know, they're written as children's stories and, and yes, they're great for children, but I think they're also mm -hmm. great for adults, especially if, if you've never read them, or even if you have, um, grew, if you grew up with them as a kid and you want to read them again as an adult, I see so much in them, so many layers of about our, our faith and about the world, about reality, um, the beauty of the gospel, et cetera. I just, they're so rich. I mean, I feel like we can't yes. say that enough. So go read the Chronicles of Narnia and not just the first book, get, get deep into all seven. I highly yes. recommend it. Yes. I, I so agree with you. I reread the, um, the line, the witch in the wardrobe, which yes, please read more than that. But I reread it just a few years ago. And I, I was just absolutely shocked. I, none of it had sunk in the first time I read it because I was a kid. I, I didn't really understand, you know, the, the underlying meaning. And I, I so agree with you. It's yes, they're written as children, but children's books, but ugh, adults can get so much out of them as well. Mm -hmm. 
Um, this week I am suggesting a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Nice. <laughs> I think I have definitely mentioned this book before in passing, but I cannot think of a better book um, suited for our, the letter that we read today. This book for me changed my life, and I don't say that lightly. It is a very practical book that outlines all of the different ways we can begin to learn how to form better connections with people, how to have better conversations, how to present ourselves in a way that will immediately make others feel positively towards us. And I think it's a book worth the read for anyone really, but for those who struggle to open up or have never felt understood or liked, this is honestly the best suggestion I can offer you read it and reread it and take notes throughout and really see what you can do to implement the advice in it. And I promise you, you will see a difference in your life going forward. So pick up a copy of How to Win Friends and Influence People, link in the description. All right, to wrap up this episode, Jessica, how can listeners find and connect with you? Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com and on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.